Hello and welcome to Leeds Voices, the weekly podcast brought to you by the University of Leeds. I'm Alex Regan and a few weeks ago you will have heard a real treat as we spoke to Olympic triathlete Johnny Brownlee, a name synonymous with Leeds. And this week we're speaking to another Brownlee. Obviously you assume that it's going to be his brother Alistair. Well, in fact it's not. It's the patriarch of that family. It is in fact Alistair and Johnny's dad, Dr Keith Brownlee. As well as being a Leeds alum, Dr Brownlee is Director of Medical Affairs at the Cystic Fibrosis Trust. Since graduating with a medical degree from Leeds in 1984, he's gained over 30 years experience caring for children and families with cystic fibrosis. We learn more about the disease, the development of life-changing treatments, the work of the Cystic Fibrosis Trust and the impact Leeds has had on improving outcomes for the disease across the world. Ed Newbold spoke to him this week and as the father of two of Leeds's most successful sporting alumni, he also asked him about his experience of being a parent, watching their children compete on the world stage. For, for anyone who, who might listen who, um, who has only heard of the name, can you give a sort of a, a brief description of, of what cystic fibrosis is and, and the impact that it has? Yeah, certainly. It's, it's a genetic condition, uh, so it's there at birth. Um, and there's around about 11,000 people in the UK with cystic fibrosis. But about 1 in 25 people in the UK carry the gene that causes cystic fibrosis. And you need two of those genes to actually develop the condition. So you need to inherit one from mum and one from dad. Um, and basically, um, people with cystic fibrosis are missing a channel, an iron channel or a gate on their cells that allows salt and water in and out of the cells. Now, the result of that is that they have very sticky secretions. And those sticky secretions are particularly a problem in some organs, particularly the lungs, which means they're very vulnerable to certain infections. And those infections over years cause lung damage and scarring. And most people pass away as a result of respiratory failure due to the chronic scarring and damage caused to their lungs due to infections as a result of that sticky mucus. But people also get problems with uh, sticky mucus in their pancreas. And that means that they have difficulty absorbing fats in particular, and that causes nutritional problems and also stomach symptoms or bowel symptoms. Now, various other organs are affected as well, but it's mainly the lungs and the pancreas and guts that cause the problems for most people with CF. You know, cystic fibrosis is often considered to be an invisible disease, so people often to their colleagues look completely normal. Uh, and some people with CF don't even tell their work colleagues that they've got CF. You know, they want to be treated as everybody else. Um, and yet there's a lot that goes on behind that. So we are desperate to increase awareness of cystic fibrosis as a you know, relatively common genetic condition that has a massive impact on people with CF and that there's still a lot of work to be done. I was offered a place at Leeds Medical School in 1979. Okay. And I've been in or about Leeds pretty much ever since to tell you the truth yeah yeah. Um, the course itself was really full on you know a lot it was 24 7 really 
uh, with lectures and studying and exams. Um, and it was quite old school medical course you know, with the basic sciences for the, the first couple of years. But Leeds itself, being a city, provided loads of opportunities. And I must admit, took advantage of a lot of those opportunities. There's some fantastic places to visit, you know, some great uh, pubs and some great uh, restaurants as well. So it was really enjoyable um, being a student in Leeds. And as I say, I met my wife there and started going out in the third year of medical school. And the last two years, you know, we had a really good time. I graduated in 84, uh, did a year's house jobs. Uh, I did uh, a surgical job in Wakefield and then a medical job in, at St. James in Leeds at, at um, Beckett Wing. Um, and then I uh, went into paediatrics. I was determined to try and pursue a career in paediatrics. And I was really fortunate to be offered a, a rotation in paediatrics at St. James uh, University Hospital, as it was then. And that's when I first really became involved in the care of people with cystic fibrosis. Um, and, you know, I did my paediatric training for the next oh, nine, ten years or whatever it was um, in Leeds, in Sheffield, in Huddersfield. Uh, and eventually came back uh, to St. James's uh, to work in, uh, as a paediatrician um, in a permanent post, um, initially general paediatrics. But I worked with somebody called Jim Littlewood, you know, who's a massive figure in cystic fibrosis in the UK. He really did develop well, you know, centre care and the multidisciplinary team care. He brought it, you know, travelled the world looking how cystic fibrosis care was delivered in places like Canada and, uh, and the US and brought the best of it back to Leeds and really developed a superb setup. Uh, and I, together with colleagues, sort of inherited that mantle uh, and provided care for around about 200, 250 kids with CF in Leeds and around the north of England. It struck me as a, you know, a fascinating condition and I was... Uh, uh, very massively impressed by how the families and the children dealt with the condition um, and the ability to be involved in that and see the same people over a prolonged period of time and build up a relationship with them was something that really appealed to me and I really enjoyed. Um, you know, you're almost in it together to try to make life as, as, as good as possible for the families and the children. And always with an eye on the future and the prospect that a new treatment would come along which would transform the outlook for people with CF. And you know, in the early days, that was we were thinking gene therapy would make a difference. Um, but these modulators um, you know, have come along before gene therapy has come along and they've definitely made such a transformational difference. You know, when I first started, it was unusual to, um, you know, for adults to have cystic fibrosis because most people with CF died as, as children. But now there's almost 60% of the population in the UK over the age of 18. So it's gone from being a children, a paediatric condition to an adult condition in my lifetime. Uh, and it's going to improve even more with the advent of, of new medications and new treatments. Um, you know, I remember in the early days when I was first involved, there was paediatric wards with you know, several children with horrendous coughs producing 
pots full of thick green sticky sputum every day requiring intravenous antibiotics for two to three weeks in order to try to dry up those secretions and you just don't see that these days. What's for you, what, what's kind of the most exciting development there has been? Yes, um, you know, cystic fibrosis care and treatment has always been traditionally aimed at trying to treat the consequences of that thick, sticky mucus. So treatment has traditionally been antibiotics to treat the infection and what we call mucolytics to thin out and help cough up and uh, expectorate the secretions, so stop blockage of the airways. But um, research has developed a new class of drugs which actually interact with that iron channel I was talking about, you know, the, the channel that allows salt uh, in and out of cells. Because of the genetic abnormality isn't formed properly if you have cystic fibrosis. So the channel is produced within the endoplasmic reticulum in the cell but doesn't get to the cell surface. So those cells can't transmit chloride um, and sodium normally. Now there's a whole family of small molecules that have been developed uh, called correctors and potentiators which interact with that channel. So they attach to the channel and reconfigure the protein so that it gets to the cell surface and the channel works more effectively. So it actually treats the fundamental cause, the fundamental problem, that abnormal channel. And they have been truly transformational. There's a drug called CAF-TRIO, which works particularly uh, on the 508 mutation, which is the commonest mutation that causes cystic fibrosis, genetic mutation. Um, and those people benefit remarkably uh, from the drug. You know, one of the most amazing things is that it, it converts the sweat test, which is the diagnostic test for cystic fibrosis, to normal. Uh, so you know, we diagnose cystic fibrosis by um, collecting sweat on people and measuring the amount of chloride in that sweat. And if it's high, you are likely to have cystic fibrosis. If it's below a certain limit, you're unlikely. But once you start taking this drug, it converts that test back to uh, the normal values. But in addition to that, it improves lung function significantly. It reduces the rate of decline of lung function. It reduces the number of exacerbations or flare-ups of infection, reduces the hospital admissions, reduces the uh, need for IV antibiotics you know, by, a, by a very significant amount across a population level. Uh, mm-hmm. And it almost cert- well, it will improve life expectancy uh, very significantly for people with CF. Why has CF had such, come on in such leaps and bounds? I mean, I'm not sure what, what it's like compared to other illnesses, but it feels like um, the developments of these drugs is, and the research gone into it is, is really significant. I think there's several reasons, and that's a really important question. You know, the cystic fibrosis uh, is a charity and funds research, uh, and research is incredibly expensive. So we are eternally grateful for our supporters. And when you consider there's only 11,000 people with CF in the UK, it's remarkable that we get the support that we do to fund the research that we do. But that's true all over the world as well. And in the, in the States, the CF Foundation have had a very uh, productive research pipeline as well. And I think partly because CF is caused by uh, um, mutations to that channel. So it's relatively straightforward. You know, if you can correct that channel, you can correct the problem. Whereas lots of other disease 
cancers have multiple uh, causes. Uh, so CF is relatively simple from the genetic perspective. Uh, but I think you, know, you can't underestimate the importance of the likes of the Trust and the Foundation for investing in basic science research and investing in you know, treatments to, to address the condition. Uh, and then pharmaceutical companies have taken them on. And then the safe community has come together as well to trial those, um, those drugs that have been developed. So there's research networks in the UK, in Europe and the US which have really pushed through the trials of the new compounds to see if they benefit people with CF. So it's been a massive collaborative effort, you know, between people with CF who've been great in terms of being, you know, volunteering to uh, and to participate in clinical trials of new drugs from the charities like the CF Trust and the CF Foundation that funded a lot of that research and the pharmaceutical companies as well. Mm. It's been a, a superb success story. Mm. Having said that, you know, we, these drugs treat the majority of people with CF, but there's still a significant minority in whom the drugs don't work. There's a subclass of people where the mutation means that they don't produce any of that ion channel. So these compounds can't interact with the ion channel and start making it function normally if you don't produce any. So the, the so-called class 1 mutations do not respond to these uh, m modulators, as they're called. Leeds has been a powerhouse of uh, you know, delivery of CF care over the years, going back to Jim Letwood, the person I mentioned to you uh, earlier on. But the, it's also had a strong, a very, very strong history of clinical research. So, um, and that's, you know, it's, uh, that's been very, very impressive, going back to my time as well. Uh, but particularly in the adult unit, uh, that's been very strong. But over recent years, Daniel Peckham, uh, one of the adult physicians uh, at the Leeds Adult Cystic Fibrosis, has done some phenomenal basic research looking at the, the, the fundamental problem and trying to understand uh, CF as an inflammatory condition uh, and how the modulators impact on that and how that may impact on all sorts of other comorbidities associated with cystic fibrosis. And that's been world-leading research. My particular role as Director of Medical Affairs is more an advisory role and I help um, bridge the gap between the clinical community and the trust you know, so that there's um, a good flow of information and, and joint objectives um, and that the trust is informed by the issues that are uh, affecting people with CF. We're very fortunate in that we have really strong involvement groups. So we do involve people with CF in virtually all of the decisions that occur in the trust. Uh, and it's a genuine partnership and it works really well. And the trust has done some fantastic uh, or funded some fantastic research into some of the, you know, the, the characteristics of the channel that I've been talking about uh, and the properties of the channel. But also, um, you know, it's, it helped with the delivery of the clinical trials and is funding a lot of research uh, into um, infections, uh, identification of infection, treatment of infections, new, new drugs to try to combat some of the gram-negative infections that people with CF are particularly vulnerable to. But there's a whole host of um, different projects that 
the, tr the trust was funded. One particular one that I should mention is gene therapy. You know, several years ago, the trust invested a lot of money into gene therapy. And on the back of that, an awful lot of science was sort of discovered. Um, and that's helped develop further therapies for CF including the modulators because it's increased the background understanding of you know why people get cf and uh, what the channels do and how you can interact with them okay. but cross infection as well was also one of the things that we were very very interested in you know people with cf um, get infections with these gram negative bugs and over the last 40 years it's become increasingly apparent that they can pass one of these bugs uh, between people with cf uh, and therefore, it's highly recommended that people with CF avoid uh, cross-infection, well, avoid, avoid coming into contact with each other, to try to avoid cross-infection between people with CF, which, you know, is interesting. And it, it does make the condition rather isolating if you can't get in the same room with other people with CF. The Cystic Fibrosis Trust is quite unique in that it works with the community of people with CF and the clinical community to hold a database on everybody with CF in the UK, and that includes all of the a lot of the uh, clinical data as well. And that data is used to leverage support for people with CF and also for research as well, and to gain access with policy and public affairs to the high cost treatments that we've been talking about. It's incredibly effective. You know, people with, the, with new treatments, people are going to be living a lot older with CF and therefore they're going to uh, potentially suffer from some of the comorbidities that we all suffer from, um, but people with CF haven't done in the past because you know, the median age of death has been in the 30s mm. um, and th that will be challenging. We produce information for people with CF and families with CF about issues. We produce guidelines and consensus statements for clinical teams, uh, and we help produce standards of care and service specifications for the delivery of care for people with CF. The support is providing advice and help to families and people with CF about issues like you know, schooling, employment, um, you know, um, access to government support, uh, we provide direct support ourselves financially for people and families with CF who are struggling. There's the research element that we've talked about quite a lot, but there's also the Clinical Trials Accelerator Programme, which is the, um, the network for delivering uh, pharmaceutical studies, which has been incredibly effective and supported by a grant from the Foundation. And then there's all the policy and public affairs work of the Trust, you know, to make sure that CF remains a... Uh, a priority and people with CF get access to the treatments that we know work as soon as they possibly can so they can benefit from them as soon as they possibly can. So that's the sort of spectrum of work the trust is involved in. You, you didn't ask me anything about Alistair and Johnny but uh, asked about No, that. I wanted to avoid that. I thought you might you must get that a lot. <laughs> you get to go and watch them a lot. Um, over the years we have gone quite a lot. We've travelled you know in the UK and in Europe and occasionally for the big big competitions abroad. So, you know, we've been fortunate to go to the Olympics in Beijing and Commonwealth Games in Australia and Olympic Games in Rio de Janeiro and uh, obviously went to the London Olympics as well. So we have yeah. travelled, yeah. And it's, yeah. Been, you know, it's been a really fascinating journey, to tell you the truth. It went from, went from a hobby to a um, profession 
uh, almost overnight. Yeah, it, it, it's not been easy in some ways because, um, you know, I don't know what you know, but they've ended up with heat exhaustion and collapsing mm-hmm. and all sorts, intensive care in, all over the place. Um, yeah. And when you sat at home and you see them collapsing and, you know, clearly struggling, it's a worrying thing to see. Yeah, it must, and there, was, there was that one race where that famous footage of um, Alistair carries Johnny, doesn't he? That was in Mexico, yeah. That was yeah. just after Rio. Cathy and I had been out in South America following Rio and we didn't know that they were planning to race in Mexico. Uh, so we'd gone home and we just got home and then we sat late at night watching that race on the television. So wow. a bit scary. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of Leeds Voices. It was presented by me, Alex Regan. It was edited and produced by Ed Newbold. Leeds Voices is a podcast brought to you by the University of Leeds Advancement Team. You can follow us on social media at Leeds Alumni or you can contact us on email at alumni at leeds.ac.uk. Leeds Voices.